0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. I am Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. I am flying solo today to talk about a really awesome supplement called N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, also known as NAC. Um, This is a bit of a piggyback to my glutathione um, discussion that was episode 145, I believe. And the reason it's kind of a piggybacking, because if you listened to that episode, you would remember that cysteine is a semi-essential amino acid that is a necessary nutrient for the production and maintenance of glutathione. It is an essential raw material, and it's actually seen as one of those limiting factors for the production and the maintenance of glutathione. So we need L-cysteine to make glutathione. And in that episode 145, I talk about how immensely important the the production and maintenance of glutathione is first free radical scavenging, which helps with premature aging of cells, which then would otherwise affect function. It's connected to a lot of chronic degenerative diseases. Um if we don't have adequate glutathione levels, glutathione is important for DNA repair, glutathione is important for detoxification, heavy metal detoxification. It's important for mitochondrial health, for cellular health. It's like wildly important. So this is why this particular conversation starts to piggyback on that. Because NAC or N acetylcysteine, as you can already see, the word cysteine is in the name of the supplement because it is the supplemental form of the semi-essential amino acid. So we're by supplementing with NAC, we begin to provide the body with that rate-limiting raw material for the production of glutathione. So NAC supports the antioxidant activity of glutathione but it's also an antioxidant in and of itself and we'll get to that in a little bit but i wanted to start off with the fact that it's a pretty awesome thing to help your body naturally produce glutathione another really amazing thing that nac has been researched in and explored uh with studies on is its effects on lung health and mucus production. So it is a known mucolytic, which means that it helps break down mucus, which is actually quite important when it comes to supporting lung health, as well as even like upper respiratory infections. So <clears throat> it has been found and studied for things like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, influenza, pulmonary fibrosis. There was a meta-analysis that looked at the treatment of patients with chronic bronchitis and COPD uh, with NAC at doses below or above 600 milligrams per day. The authors found that those that were supplementing um, were associated with fewer episodes of any worsening symptoms, and doses ranged from 600 milligrams to over 1200 milligrams, especially if the airways had any kind of verified obstruction. So that's pretty interesting. I've also found some PubMed articles that really look at NAC, all different, different studies that um, we're looking at NAC and lung disorder. So cystic fibrosis is a really big one that it's been studied with and shown to be supportive of, uh, COPD. Uh, bronchitis, asthmas, allergies, bronchiectasis, bronchiolitis, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. There's various studies looking at the effects of NEC on these particular lung conditions, which is pretty awesome. Um, In this same article, we start talking about, it's the Journal of Nutrition and Metabolism, and it's a 2021 PubMed article that is a review of clinical usefulness for N-acetylcysteine. So this was a really great summary to look at with different research. So there's even like a quick table that just talks about the potential mechanisms of action of N-acetylcysteine. So antioxidant properties reduces oxidative damage as seen in cell cultures, mucolytic properties. It splits disulfide bonds in mucoproteins, which lowers the viscosity uh, demonstrated in purified mucus gels and tracheal explant systems and in vitro models. Uh, mitochondrial resilience. Um, it has metal chelation properties. The thiol groups in NAC uh, provides binding sites for metals in animal studies. It helps with antiviral properties because it has immune modulation, anti nf kb properties and other unexplored mechanisms vascular endothelial growth factors so it might inhibit uh vascular permeability um atp and nitric oxide production so increased atp production is basically what our cells produce as energy atp is the fuel that cell uh that uh the energy currency of our cells and nitric oxide also helps with relaxing blood vessels or vasodilation for allowing better blood flow. It also has anti-inflammatory properties, so it reduces pro-inflammatory cytokines seen in animal studies, scavenges free radicals just in and of itself, stabilizes proteins in DNA, and it also, like I already mentioned, the activity with glutathione, it just helps restore glutathione production. So I found that to be a really nice, useful summary chart about this. The other things that I want to talk about with N-acetylcysteine, there are some other really cool things that are happening it's been shown to help with like liver and bowel diseases one very well known um use of n-acetylcysteine is how it is really good for acetaminophen toxicity so the usefulness of nac to prevent acute liver failure has been well established if used according to uh iv dosage protocols within 8 hours of um, ingestion of acetaminophen uh, of an acetaminophen overdose. So if you're using it within eight hours, it actually really helps prevent acute liver failure, which is amazing. We also, like I said, in the glutathione episode, acetaminophen or Tylenol um, will also deplete glutathione production. So providing an acetylcysteine will also amplify the recovery of your glutathione levels. If there is excessive use of Tylenol or an overdose of Tylenol. So I thought that was really great. Um, To piggyback more on the effects on liver, there have also been some studies to look at metabolic syndrome and the effects of N-acetylcysteine in support of those particular types of conditions. So one was with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. There's some evidence that NAC may block hepatic lipid accumulation and provide therapeutic benefit against metabolic complications found in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, mostly because of antioxidant effect and because of its um, attenuation of kind of lipid peroxidation but I wonder if it also has an effect because it supports glutathione. Glutathione then also really improves detoxification pathways in our liver, especially phase two detoxification. So also just allowing garbage to be effectively removed from the body rather than being stagnant is I think also, if I'm thinking critically, that would probably play a role in there as well. Um, there are some animal st- studies to show that NAC may inhibit hepatic steatosis, so fatty liver, um, and the development of glucose intolerance and in improve lipid profiles, so like cholesterol profiles, um, which is also um, pretty important to know. Considering that a lot of North Americans are metabolically unhealthy, diabetes seems to be running rampant. I'm finding fatty liver to be way more common than it should be when it comes to ultrasounds, abdominal ultrasounds or liver markers and enzymes being slightly elevated. So I feel like this could be something that I would be really interested in looking further into, to supporting my clients who have fatty liver disease and metabolic dysregulation. N-acetylcysteine can also be part of a good protocol to support infertility, both female and male. So with male infertility or male fertility support, there have been um, improvements shown um of oxidative status along with semen quality so improved motility viscosity and volume in certain studies where the dose was 600 milligrams twice daily um and other randomized controlled trials using selenium and nac together there was also significant improvement in semen quality in some of those research articles um Another one showed that for females, you have improved oocyte, which is the egg inside of your ovary and embryo quality in women, especially in those who are suffering from PCOS. And it's actually because it's one of the most common disorders currently um, that is causing infertility in women. So I found that to be very insightful and I know there are certain formulations out there that we use naturopathically, like there is a male fertility sap from NFH, and I have no affiliation with these companies, just FYI. And then there's oocyte sap from NFH, and NAC is definitely um, uh, a nutrient in those in the oocyte sap formula specifically. And I do believe that in the past, I have come across some studies where it also um, can help with improving um, improving chances of whole, uh, of of fertility and conception to the third trimester so for early miscarriages it reduces the reduces the percentage risk of early miscarriage if I remember correctly, from some of those past studies. And it can also be used for full term for some people who have higher risk pregnancies to enable them to carry a child more full term. When I was looking into this about a year, year and a half ago for a client of mine. So NAC has some really interesting properties when it comes to how it supports fertility, egg quality, sperm quality, as well as reducing risk of miscarriage and improving full-term pregnancies for people who have a higher risk, um, of, of miscarriage. So that is also, I find a really remarkable trait of this, but two other things that I really wanted to talk about were its effect, on that is anti-inflammatory as well. So some of its anti-inflammatory effects are due in part because of its support of glutathione production. Um, But a lot of its anti-inflammatory effects are actually linked to, where did I see this? Um, Its reduction in levels of tumor necrosis factor alpha and interleukins like IL-6 and uh, IL-1 beta by suppressing the activity of nuclear factor kappa, so NFKB. So it does actually have direct anti-inflammatory benefits. I also found that a lot of our inflammation in our body can also come from endotoxemia, the movement of toxins from the gut to the bloodstream through things like leaky gut or increased permeability in the digestive system. Endotoxins are known as LPSs or lipopolysaccharides, and they often come from bacteria and pathogens in the gut. And these LPSs cause the release of pro-inflammatory cellular messengers throughout the brain and the body. And even low levels of endotoxemia have been found to have major contributing factors to chronic disease processes in the body because of its influence on inflammation. NAC may provide some benefits against endotoxemia. So in animal models, NAC treatment reduced the release of inflammatory cellular messengers, minimized the effects of endotoxins on blood pressure, and was associated with a decrease in inflammatory markers and organ injury as well. So I found that to be a pretty cool thing about N-acetylcysteine that I wasn't 100% knowledgeable on. I'm going to be fully admitting on that. I knew that it was a potent antioxidant. I knew it had some anti-inflammatory effects, but being more specific and understanding what inflammatory markers it actually supportive. Um, this is, this was a little bit more new to me there. I found it an, an interesting article. Now this might be a little bit taboo, but there was, I hope not. It is a PubMed article and it was in the journal of inflammation, Uh, of inflammation research. And it was a 2021 article looking at N-acetylcysteine as an adjuvant therapy for COVID-19. And it was a perspective on the current states of the evidence. So this is a PubMed article and it talks about how it has a growing interest in its potential uh, adjuvant therapy for coronavirus disease because it's looking at NAC and its effects in respiratory viral infections in general, based on all this data they already had that was in vitro and in in vivo and in human clinical investigation. So the thought was to repurpose something like N-acetylcysteine may be able to improve response to COVID-19. But in this article, um, they do point out that Let's see, in vitro data have depicted that NAC increases antioxidant capacity, interferes with viral replication and suppresses excess expression of pro-inflammatory cytokines in cells that are infected with influenza viruses or respiratory syncytial viruses. Furthermore, findings from in vivo studies have displayed that by virtue of immune modulation and anti-inflammatory mechanisms, NAC reduces the mortality rate and influenza-infected mice animal models. So they thought that this promising in vitro and in vivo results could be used to see if it works with COVID-19, including things like severe uh, ammonia and acute respiratory diseases, to see if this could be of any benefit in conjunction with other therapies as a supportive nutrient. So it it was nice and refreshing to see a PubMed article that actually looked into this and hasn't been taken down from the internet. So um, (laughs) there's that to think about. And the last thing I really want to speak about for NAC um, is its effect on biofilms. So for those who are listening and you don't know what a biofilm is, a biofilm is like this polysaccharide interesting matrix that sequesters calcium, magnesium, iron, and other minerals but it's really created by the grouping of various ba- of bacteria together. And sometimes it also it's bacteria and or fungi um, that basically coalesce and create this polysaccharide uh, matrix. And within it, they can share nutrients and DNA and undergo changes to evade our immune system. So this, I always like to, in my mind's eye, I envision, Uh, this biofilm polysaccharide matrix, as if it were almost like a magical force field (laughs) around bacteria that needs to be broken in order to begin to fully address the microbial pathogenic microbes that exist underneath. So when they create this polysaccharide matrix the microbes inside require less oxygen, fewer nutrients, and it also alters the pH at the core. So the biofilm actually, and then creates a hostile community for also a lot of antibiotics. Um, this particular, the, this matrix and, a biofilm for it basically forms this physical barrier. Like I said, it almost creates like this dome in my mind's eye that keeps most immune cells from being able to detect a pathogen like a pathogenic bacteria or fungus. And there's a lot of biofilms within our body. They're hiding within our nasal passages or hiding along the the length of our gastrointestinal tract, um, plaque dental plaque is a type of biofilm that fungi um and microbes can create so it's a part of our human existence and and I don't think every single biofilm is necessarily bad some biofilms might actually play a role in a healthy gut so so it's not necessarily that everything has to be sequestered but if you do have stealth pathogens, microbes, funguses, molds, parasites, these biofilms can also benefit a host of other microbes. So if you want to get a handle on more pathogenic microbial overgrowths, doing something to disrupt this biofilm would be quite important for any kind of efforts you 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 are trying to put forth to kill off these microbes. So NACE is actually because of its, I believe it's because of the thiol groups, and maybe I'm misquoting, um, but NAC has been shown to help break up and also even prevent biofilm formation with actually a high degree of safety, which is very promising. So that's a lot of what I use N acetylcysteine for, in all fairness, is because of my work in gut health and seeing a lot of people who have. Um, very difficult microbial things to address, or stubborn or stealth pathogens or parasites, and SIBO. SIBO is another one where you want to break up biofilms. Um, I use NAC a lot in part of my protocols to help create a vulnerability to the pathogens that I want to eradicate so that I can do a better job in assisting my clients and eradicating those pathogens so that we can regain control of their microbial ecosystem and allow their body to become stronger and flush out what is no longer serving them so that we can rebuild the ecosystem in a more resilient way. So using NAC is actually a pretty big deal in my practice. Um, I've even had some of my clients with parasitic issues found that it really helped Steer the course of action with their parasitic protocols as well. So I love NAC in my practice for that alone. Now, right now in Ontario, um, and with all the wildfires that are kind of going rampant within Canada right now, um, I'm I'm doubling down on my NAC because of its antioxidant effect, and we all know so that smoke is carcinogenic, but it also is a pro-oxidant. So with the air quality being a little bit more polluted and not as healthy for us right now, I am making sure to get my N-acetylcysteine as a supplement. Also because it's a mucolytic, and it has all these studies showing its benefit for lung health, I feel like if I'm bringing in this garbage, I want to protect my system as best as possible. It's also one of those mainstays in my supplement cupboard now, because if I do get sick, if I do get a viral infection, if I get any kind of chest infections, which I tend to do, get a lot of post-nasal drip, and it tends to go into my chest, and then I end up having coughing fits, I find that the NAC allows me to break up my mucus and cough it up more readily. So just a little tidbit for our current state of the world. Now, when it comes to supplementation, um, there is pretty good safety data on oral supplementation. NAC dosing can vary significantly depending on on the conditions um, that you're trying to address or, or, or the health concerns you're trying to address. But according to certain PubMed articles, it said with various clinical studies, doses of 1200 milligrams daily or more are usually um, required to be clinically relevant. Um, Studies in metabolic disease showed that five to 600 milligrams orally per day may be sufficient to ameliorate fatty liver disease. For Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, doses of 800 milligrams per day seem to be helpful. Doses as high as Uh, 1,250 milligrams orally three times a day have been used safely in MS and showed benefits in reducing fatigue, which I didn't even get until the neurological and cognitive support for NAC. I'm not as well versed in that, but I did see that there were various studies on its effects for neurological and cognitive conditions. Doses of 8,000 milligrams per day orally did not cause clinical significant um, reactions in HIV patients, which I did not read an article, but I'm just kind of going through this. Um, so the dosing is going to be, the dosing is going to be conditions dependent. And for me with things like SIBO or digestive concerns, I'm using you, not usually 500 milligrams. I'm usually using a thousand milligrams, 2 to 3 times a day to help break up biofilms in conjunction with like liver support and antimicrobials for supporting um the the removal and eradication of pathogenic microbes in someone's gut health protocols um the things that are maybe deterrents for NAC is that it can actually quite smell because it has a very strong sulfury smell. So like that rotten egg smell. So whenever I open up my bottle of NAC, it does have a bit of an odor. Um, so don't be surprised if you're supplementing. Your supplement has not gone bad. That is actually just how it smells. Uh, so it does have a bit of an unpleasant smell, but it might also have a bit of an unpleasant taste when you're doing oral dosing. Um, For some people, it might cause some nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. I personally haven't found that with anybody um, clinically, but that doesn't mean that it's not possible. Um, IV NAC is not something I'm familiar with because I don't do IV therapy, but that has to be done with a, a lot of caution. And I guess there has been some reports of vomiting after intravenous use, um, and some, maybe some anaphylactic reactions with IV use. But if you have an naturopathic doctor who's screening you readily, they should be doing their due diligence to, um, understand whether or not this is the right nutrient intravenously for you. Now, one thing to also remember is that NAC does have some anticoagulant and platelet-inhibiting properties, so if you have a bleeding disorder or if you are taking any kind of pharmaceutical blood thinners, then this might be contraindicated for you, or it might just be one of those things that you have to work with a practitioner, proceed cautiously, and have someone uh, who is knowledgeable, a practitioner, naturopath, functional medicine doctor, um, to be able to monitor your your response and tolerance of this particular product. The use of NAC with patients on nitroglycerin should also be cautioned because it might cause hypotension. This would be because of NAC's effect on nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator. But otherwise, a lot of effects are pretty rare aside from that. I find the biggest complaint that I get from people is the smell. <laughs> because it does smell like rotten eggs, but that's, that's pretty much it. So NAC is actually pretty remarkable. Number one, it helps with your glutathione production and maintaining that. Number two, it helps against hepatotoxicity. It can help with fatty liver disease. Uh, It can help with acetaminophen overdosing and the toxicity, toxic effects of acetaminophen, AKA Tylenol. It is possibly helpful for diabetes and metabolic disruption disruptions it's phenomenal as a mucolytic it can be extremely helpful for lung conditions it has some innate anti-inflammatory capabilities it is a remarkable biofilm disruptor to enable you to actually eradicate the microbes that are otherwise hiding and evading your immune system and would also be able to evade the effects of antibiotics including natural herbal antibiotic properties like berberine etc so it does enable those particular um radical eradication, nutrients, herbs, or even pharmaceuticals to work more effectively. Um, it does have some antiviral and immune supportive properties as seen with some of the uh, research that was looked at with regards to influenza or upper respiratory uh, viral infections. It's kind of amazing. So it doesn't have a lot of wild consequences, but as with everything we talk on on this show I would prefer that people don't just take it upon themselves to go to hog wild on supplements. You need to use the right thing at the right time in the right sequence of, of, of events for your specific health needs. Please work with a qualified health professional that can help you understand what you should be taking, how much you should be taking in what format, what are good quality supplements, how long you should be taking something so that you can use it effectively, safely And in accordance with what your body actually needs. So as always, use supplements smartly, people. Work with a qualified health practitioner. Um, But so far, NAC really shines. Hope you enjoy this talk. Thanks for joining.